Welcome to the In Doubt Podcast, where we explore the challenging topics that young adults often face. Each week, we talk with guests who help answer questions of faith, life, and culture, connecting them to our daily experiences and God's Word. For more info on In Doubt, visit indoubt.ca or indoubt.com. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of In Doubt. My name's Courtney, the In Doubt Coordinator, and I'm so happy you're here. On this week's episode of In Doubt, we're joined by a special young woman who's local to us and has gone through a wild roller coaster of life in the past nine months, Maddie Hardy. Maddie was recommended to us by another one of our listeners saying that we had to have her as a guest, and I'm so glad that we did. Maddie's story is a testimony to God's strength and His miracles that still happen today. I hope you find encouragement and hope in this episode with Joshua and Maddie Hardy. He will lift the anxious and the weary, calling home the burdened and the lost. And I am proof that you delight in second chances. Hello, everybody. Welcome to In Doubt. My name is Joshua. I'm one of your hosts, and I'm joined today by Maddie Hardy, who has a pretty incredible story of of having to trust the Lord through some pretty dark times. And I'm really excited to hear you you share it with us. So thanks for joining yeah, us. Yeah, of course, of course. Uh, so I wonder if you could just share that story with us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. So in October of last fall, so October 2018, I fell pretty sick. I remember the time of year vividly just because it was when I was getting ready for Thanksgiving dinner. I was putting my contact in my eye and my eye was very yellow. And I had been experiencing some unusual symptoms in the weeks prior, um, but just brushed those off as stress or exhaustion in the summer before. So the summer of 2018, I was working two full-time jobs. I was doing a bakery. So I would open that from seven to four. And then I'd rush over to Earl's for 4.30 and do a closing shift there. And I would do that about five days a week. Um, and sometimes six. And so any symptoms that I was experiencing, like no energy, super tired, no appetite, I was just chalking up to mm. stress. And however, that was not the case. And my symptoms were actually getting worse and worse. And then so, yeah, in October, I noticed that I had yellow eyes and then my um, body was yellow, like my skin mm. and breathing became a lot harder. And so I went to my campus doctor actually a few days after And he called me immediately a few hours after our appointment and just urged me to go to the emergency room. Um, He said that my blood was looking a little off and that my liver enzymes or my enzymes were quite high and that was not normal. And so I went into the emergency room that night and I remember meeting with a doctor who told me that it was just a simple gallbladder issue. Mm. And so he pointed in my um, scans where everything was. Um, and kind of went over the plan for surgery. And so he sent me home that night to sleep. And then I came back first thing in the morning with my mom and my Nana. And we were going to meet with a doctor to go over my surgical plan. And I was brought into a curtained area and where I was told that I would meet with a doctor in a few minutes. And then it was not a few minutes. It was about an hour and a half probably. Mm -hmm. And so that hour and a half, I just so many thoughts are racing through your mind. And so I obviously knew that this was not going to be a simple gallbladder issue. And sure enough, about an hour and a half later, a doctor came in the room and using a clipboard to cover his face, he just said, 
Um, we aren't quite sure what kind it is, but your scans reveal a unknown stomach cancer. Wow. And then so he continued on to say, um, your stomach and your liver is completely riddled with this. And then so obviously so many thoughts are running through your mind, but I just responded out loud. I knew it and I can do this. Hmm. And so the doctor just kind of stood there quite awkwardly for a little bit and then um, left and he sent the head of internal medicine to speak with my mom while a nurse took me out for a biopsy. And so while he was meeting with my mom, the head of internal medicine, um, he gave her the words terminal metastatic stomach cancer. And so he just said that there was no treatment options and that there was nothing that um, their team could do for me. And he suggested that she just take me home and make me comfortable. And so within hours, just everyone that I loved was in my hospital room mm. and we were just all trying to fathom what to do and the news that we've just been given. Um, and that was when I decided to make my story as public as possible mm. and just to get as many people praying as possible. And so a few hours that night, a new emergency doctor came on shift and he popped his head into my room just to introduce himself to me. And little did he know, I recognized him because he was a longtime family friend, like hmm. from years back. Cool. Yeah. And uh, he was also a regular at the coffee shop that I had served at in the summer. But because of my jaundiced skin and my weight loss, I wasn't recognizable. And so he popped in and he just said he needed to meet the girl that everyone was talking about. He came on shift and, and the staff was talking about the 21-year-old girl who was just diagnosed with terminal cancer. And so my mom popped into the room and they, we all made the connection of who everyone was. And he said, there was a sadness in his voice and he was just like, I can't believe that this is your Maddie. And then he just went on and on about how angry he was at that doctor for telling us that there's no hope and, and giving us a diagnosis so quickly mm. without looking into my case further. And so that night he put himself on my case and he's just like, this is not going to be your story. You do not have terminal cancer. Like, we're not ending this here. Wow. And he put himself on my case, admitted me in the hospital. And then that was my 28-day stay. Wow. And so that was in October. Uh, 28 days in the hospital. Uh, November, I went my underwent my first chemo treatment. And then February was my sixth round of chemo. And then April 1st, my scans came back clear. And then I have my six months in October. Wow. I know. Yeah, that that's incredible. Yeah. So your your first response when the doctor told you was, was I knew this and I've got it. How, yeah. How, what happened to, in your mind in that moment? How is it that that was your response? Yeah. And it's crazy to think about um, just because knowing my past, I'm a very fearful, worried, like constantly stressed out person. So having that be my initial response was... And it's kind of hard to put into words, but I think that that's just one of the many miracles that I had seen from God and just the amount of peace that he gave mm. me in that moment is insane. Wow. Um, and then obviously I have the thoughts racing through my mind, like it's it's a very scary thing. Right. Like you never thought that cancer would be given to you. You know, you never think that you're going to hear that word, but I did. And so, hmm. yeah, so yeah. a whole bunch of situations race through your mind, but but God definitely gave me a peace that overwhelmed it all. So. Was there ever a moment in the whole process of the journey that that statement wasn't quite as mm -hmm. sure in your heart? Mm -hmm. Well, like even minutes afterwards, like mm -hmm. when um, the doctor left the room and my I just look at my mom and Nana who are completely devastated. And 
immediately I start to think of oh, everything I dreamt for myself that might not be attainable at that moment um, and everything that I want for my life that may not happen or I might not be here for. And so definitely those thoughts come into my mind. But every single time they did, I just prayed that God would silence them because I was just like, that's not going to be my story and that's not how I, it's going to end. So. So in those quiet moments mm. when you were all alone, maybe, I, I don't know if maybe there were many moments when you were all alone. I'm sure you had a lot of people with you. What what went on between you and the Lord in your conversation? Mm-hmm. Like was, were there moments of despair or or did you cling so firmly to the rock that? Um, yeah. Okay. So I think that throughout my hospital stay, I always had someone with me. And so I was never alone right. in that fact. I think when I started to process it all is when I transitioned into moving back home um, and everyone else's lives continued on. And so my friends went back to school and I just realized that I couldn't go back to school. I couldn't go back to work. And it just, that's when it really sunk in for me. And so I think that that was probably when I was at my lowest and just cried out to God the most. And, but it, it was even in then where he would just show me through other people, through strangers, through messages that I am never alone. And even in that time where I just felt that my entire life was over just because I couldn't go back to my routine. Um, he just showed me that there's just so much more than that. So, Did you feel in the in those moments where, where you felt like it, it could go away, but you're praying, God, would you hold me fast here? Did you feel like God drew drew near to you in a very special way? Yeah, and even that is hard to put into words just because, well, I've been a Christian my whole life yeah. and for 21 years, but I've never experienced God in right. the way that I have in these past right. nine months. And so, but no, absolutely. Yeah. I definitely felt his presence. That's cool. Mm-hmm. And in what ways did you feel that? I, so I'm sure there are moments of just this peace, right, that God, that God gives you, but, but you probably felt that through family and through others. Yeah. What were the other ways that you saw and felt God's mm-hmm. comfort? Um, I would just say that the community that of people that I had around me and the support that I had, like mm. hours after that, yeah. I had 15 people in my room with me yeah. and who left work in their busy schedules to come and see me. And and then I was just looking around the room and looking at all these people that God has placed in my life to show how much they love me and to also illustrate his love for me. Mm. And it's just like he has placed these people in my life so that I never need to be alone or feel scared or anything. And yeah. and so that was probably the biggest ways in which I saw his his presence was through the people that he's placed in my life. Yeah, that's cool. Mm-hmm. So what, what were the things that you would say you've learned about God mm-hmm. uh, through such a difficult, difficult journey? Yeah. There's so many takeaways and so many avenues that I could go down, um, but I just kind of wanted to break it down into two main ideas. And so my first idea was that there's another in the fire. And when I say that, I just mean that kind of similar to what I uh, said previously is just God has placed people in my life so that you don't have to go through any difficult um, circumstance or trial alone. And he's placed these people in your life so that they can love on you and they can also illustrate God's love for you. Um, And then my second big takeaway was just that God is in control and that he can do anything. And so I kind of based that out of the scripture found in Ephesians 3. And it reads, God can do anything, you know, um, greater than anything you can dream or imagine. And and so I really took that scripture and I, I just really thought what God wants for my life. And so I, in the past, I have known to 
hold on very tightly to my life and I've wanted to be in control of it and and plan out every single detail and um, and when it didn't go my way I would often become quite fearful or worried and then so when my diagnosis came along I just realized that nothing I'm doing is clearly making the situation better or um, the way I've lived my life you know it's just not I can't be in control of this situation and so it was then where I just finally um, let go of the tight grip that I had over my life and I just let God come in and, and take full control and, and I saw him do amazing things. And so my biggest takeaway was was just let God take control of your life mm-hmm. and so that you can live your life according to the great plan that he has for it. Cool. Mm. You're you're a very musical person, I am. right? You you've sung on the worship team at your church, mm-hmm. and even at one point during this whole yeah. process, you sang on the worship I did, team. Yeah. So, what role did did music and worship music particularly play in your uh, in your journey of in being encouraged and comforted? So, music has always been a huge part of my life, and so is worship. And so, the fact that I get to combine those two together is super fun for me. But yeah, throughout my diagnosis, it looked like just listening to music, um, writing music, uh, everything like that. And yeah, I actually had a day pass in my stay at the hospital one day and and my best friend who I also lead on the team with came and slept over with me. And we got ready in our room Sunday morning and went out to Chilliwack to sing. And I'll just never forget when, um, after each service, just the church prayed for me. And that was, the coolest experience ever and um but yeah so worship for me looks like a whole bunch of different things whether it's driving and listening to it in the car or yeah reading it writing it sunday mornings mm-hmm. um but yeah That's leading cool. on sunday mornings is a very cool right. experience that must have been a pretty surreal moment mm-hmm. standing before the church mm-hmm. singing in the light of of everything that's yeah. going on in your life maybe do you have a word of encouragement for those of us who who come to church on a sunday and maybe feel something similar and probably not nearly yeah. what you felt. But how do you sing? How do you sing in the midst of something like mm-hmm. that? In the past, I have gone through many difficult circumstances mm-hmm. and I have pulled away from God and I've seen that that just doesn't work and it doesn't lead me anywhere. And so I wanted this experience to be different and I knew that this was different. And so the minute I received my diagnosis, and I just think that that the overwhelming sense of peace and confidence in God that I had was God just urging me to just trust in Him finally, <laughs> and and just to see um, what would come of that. And so I've just always had that in the back of my mind. Like I've been down this road before where I haven't fully praised God or I haven't thanked Him in my or even acknowledged Him in my scary situations, and that's gotten me nowhere. And so. I've just wanted this situation to be different. And so that was just kind of my mindset behind it all. And so on a Sunday morning, especially that Sunday morning, I think when I was worshiping, I was just thanking God for allowing me to be here physically and and health-wise. And so, yeah, I think for anyone out there who is sitting there on a Sunday morning who, who doesn't want to be, I think that God has brought you there for a reason and He has something for you that morning, whether it's in the song or the sermon or in the people that you meet. Um, I just think that there's a reason that we are where we are and we need to really trust that and, and acknowledge that. That's cool. So in in your love for worship music, was there any particular song 
that that meant a lot to you in this process? Yeah, a whole bunch. I mean, I listen to music every day, all day. But I think that the song that really got me through um, is by a church called Mosaic Music. Mm-hmm. And so they're a church based out in L.A. And they have a song um, written by Mariah McManus called Miracle. And so it's just every single lyric rang so true to my situation and to my story. And, and it was really cool, actually, just because she was also one of the people that rallied around me and and showed their support for me and i had never met her before but she is someone who i greatly admire and i had tickets to go see her and listen to her sing before everything happened and so while i was missing the concert it meant a lot to me to receive a video of her with a little sunshine sticker just giving me her support and just telling her that her and the team is praying for me and so um yeah that was really cool that's cool mm-hmm. the, so this this sunshine sticker that she held up what, what was that about yeah so that was created by um, a friend of mine from Southside. and so all through my diagnosis at the beginning people were posting pictures to pray for me and messages and all that stuff and there was always a sunshine located on that mm-hmm. or they would always refer to me as sunshine and and so that was very encouraging to me, but someone from the church took this and created a car decal, like a sunshine car decal. And so they were selling it everywhere. Earl's was selling them, the restaurant that I serve at. Um, the church was selling them. And so you drive around Chilliwack and they're everywhere. I've seen them in Langley and I've gotten pictures in Tennessee of cars having them. And so that's just meant a lot to me that that I have a community and a city like rallying around Absolutely. me. So, yeah, that was really cool. cool. Very Mm -hmm. cool. So you really experienced, like you were saying, even on that Sunday, Mm -hmm. the the church gathered around you to pray Mm -hmm. for you. um, And and you had many friends come alongside you and your family. Would you say that your love for the church has grown through a a process like this? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I've always, um, like I've been serving at Southside for six years, so I've always considered it my family. And it's always been... um, a super fun time to be with everyone on a Sunday morning, but absolutely just seeing how they have come through for me. And I've met a lot of new people through this and a lot of new connections in our church and a lot of new relationships, which has been really cool. But yeah, just seeing how they rally around me and my family was was absolutely insane and um, something I'm very thankful for. And one of the really cool things that came out of this was the Sunshine Fund. And so um, because of all of this, they have created this um, fund where we help families in need with critical illness, terminal illness, and um, it just provides them that that hope and that extra support where they might not get it anywhere else. And so that's been really cool. Were there a few special friends, I'm sure, that that stuck by you pretty well the whole way through? What did that mean to you to have people that that would sit next to you uh, and, and... in the darkest nights, right? Um, I was very lucky. I had like a group of like 12 of us who there's a picture of me like being carried in my um, hospital bed for the emergency to my admitting room. And there's like 12 of them following me with all my things. But it's just insane because even if we were just on our phones or doing absolutely nothing, just their company, Mm -hmm. knowing that they took time out of their day to come drive to Abbotsford Hospital and just hang out with me in a dingy hospital Mm -hmm. room just meant the world to me. Um, and just cause it can be very scary and it just having a room full of doctors is a lot nicer when you have your friends with you. So, so uh, maybe we have some other listeners 
who know somebody mm-hmm. who's going through uh, something very similar to that. Um, and you had some pretty great friends and, and, and family members who came around you. What would you encourage them to do in order to support somebody who's uh, very uncertain, who's, mm-hmm. who's fearful? How, mm-hmm. how should they come around and comfort? What's, what's the best thing to do for the people that we love when they're in these moments? Honestly, I think you just need to be there for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and whether that looks like you're there physically or sending them messages or um, it doesn't need to be anything extravagant or anything, yeah, you just need to be there and they just need to know that you are there for them 100% of the mm-hmm. time. Like it's, yeah. Yeah, cool. Uh, I, I've heard it said a number of times. Sometimes uh, the best thing to say is nothing at all. Yeah. Uh, did, you, did you experience that? Was mm-hmm. it just the company, the physical presence of somebody was comforting? Yeah, yeah. And it was just kind of insane to me because I appreciated everyone reaching out, but it's just sometimes that can be overwhelming when so many people have so many different um, opinions and advice and all that stuff. And it was just, it meant more to me to just have someone there right. or you right. know and and so yeah hmm. was there anything in particular uh that maybe you can remember that somebody did say to you uh and it was an encouragement uh maybe because of who the person was or particularly because of what they said uh was there anything that that just struck you as wow thank you god for the encouragement you've just given me through this person was there ever a moment like that i think honestly every message that hmm. i received i was just yeah that's cool it was pretty shocking to me and um but I think one of the biggest things was people who I didn't think I had an impact on or people that I just had a short conversation with at work or passed by at school were the ones who reached out to me who I would classify as we didn't really we weren't really close or whatever um they would just reach out to me and say this like your smile really impacted me or just something like that and so it was just eye-opening to me that every little thing we do or we are being watched and and it's it really matters. And so... Cool. Yeah. Was there anything uh, that somebody said to you that, that you would have rather they not say mm-hmm. that maybe you could help our listeners to think, okay, maybe these are some things I shouldn't say to somebody uh, when they're in these difficult moments? Yeah. Yeah, there were some. Um, I think the biggest thing is, especially cancer-related, everyone has their opinions on treatment. Right. <laughs> and so, um, especially when I was trying to process everything, it was a lot for me to have. There was um, a whole bunch of, like, natural suggestions or CBD suggestions, like, all that kind of thing. And it's just people are trying to be helpful, but you also need to be sensitive to that person going through the situation. And this is a whole, like... Um, chemo and all that stuff was a very new thing for me and so there was a lot for me to think about and a lot for me to process and to have 20 people's opinions on treatment wasn't very helpful and was actually more overwhelming than anything Um, but for the most part right right (laughs) so since then uh, now God it it seems as though uh, the cancer is gone though you're not technically declared (laughs) cancer free Um, how has God used your story? Because uh, you've been able to share it at your church. I'm sure you've been able to share it with friends. Um, have you seen fruit uh, from God's work in your life to minister mm-hmm. to others? Mm-hmm. Well, it's it's honestly been insane. And even opportunities like this, I never mm-hmm. thought that I would be here sharing right. my story in this way. Um, but it's also been cool because I've had 
many people come up to me just with the connections I've had with my work or school who are going through a similar situation um, with someone else or even personally themselves. And I've been able to walk with them or just share with them what's helped me or what brought me through that. And so I never thought that I would be capable of that or in that position. And it's just been really um, awesome that God has used me in that way. Um, So, yeah. Hmm. And this is a pretty significant life memory. Like it's a landmarker for your life in many ways. <laughs> yes. uh, how do you think that this is laying a foundation for how you're going to carry on? Like, does this does this change things from here on? Or do you just kind of pick up and say, well, I'll carry on life as normal? Yes. As much as I want to carry on normally, it's just this has affected me in a great way where it's, I feel completely different than I did mm. just six months ago. And so it sounds very cliche, but just like my outlook on life is completely different. And I just don't want to take any moment for granted or any person for granted. And I just think that God has provided me with this outlook on life and just my relationship with him that I never want to be in a mediocre state or um, live my life in a mundane way. And so I think that if anything, it's just I I just want to live my life differently and just more in his just actually follow the plan that he has for me and just be in tune with that. Mm. So. But, but how has your relationship been shaped, your relationship with God, been shaped through that process so that now it's different? Is mm-hmm. it different? Yeah, absolutely. It's different. And I think that just moving forward, I I never want to forget what God's brought me through. Mm-hmm. And I think even in my past, I have tended to, you know, time goes by and and life gets crazy and you just, you just forget mm-hmm. everything God's brought you through to get you to where you are today. And so I think moving forward, even if it's 10 years down the road, I just never want to forget the miracle that he provided for me in my life. And I never want to lose the fire for God or this passion that I have. And so, yeah, that would that would be my biggest. That's cool. Mm-hmm. That's cool. It, your story is such a wonderful reminder for us, especially North America, mm-hmm. where, where we have the sense that God doesn't quite do miracles anymore. Right. Uh, your story stands out. It, he does mm. miracles. That's oh, very, very cool. Yeah. Um, uh, just pray that God would bless you uh, as you finish your degree and as you head on into the rest of life. Uh, so thank you for sharing yeah, with us, Maddie. Of course. I really appreciate you joining us. Yeah. And it's great to hear. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening today. I'm so glad that Maddie was able to join us and share with you her journey over the past year and how she has seen God work in her life. I think that each one of us can easily slide into complacency in our daily walk with God, even if it's taken extraordinary things to get our attention in the past. Maddie's story serves as an important reminder that we should hold fast to God in all moments of our lives, from moments of joy to moments of fear and heartache. So thank you, Maddie, for sharing your story with all of us. Maddie mentioned that the song Miracle by Mosaic Music was one of the songs that really helped her through her hospital stay and beyond. That's the song that we have featured on this week's episode, and we'll have the link to it posted on the episode page online as well. 
If there's anything that you'd like to share with us, feedback, ideas, or critiques, I'd encourage you to send us a DM on social media. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Or you can email us at info at Thanks again for joining us for this episode. I hope you'll listen next week, where we'll have guest Brian McConaughey, who's going to be sharing with us about the work that he's done with Ratnack and the realities of human trafficking today. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to hear more, subscribe on iTunes and Spotify or visit us online at indoubt.ca or indoubt.com. We're also on social media, so make sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter.